Act One of Tom Cobb or Fortune's Toy by W. S. Gilbert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tremadius Personae Colonel O'Fip, an Irish adventurer. Read by Aiken. Tom Cobb, young surgeon. Read by Dale Robbins. Whipple, young surgeon. Read by Adrian Stevens. Matilda O'Fip, the colonel's daughter. Read by Helena Diamandes. Mr. Effingham, member of a romantic family. Read by Todd. Mrs. Effingham. Member of a Romantic Family, read by Wendy Katz-Hiller. Bulstrode Effingham, Member of a Romantic Family, read by Alan Mapstone. Caroline Effingham, Member of a Romantic Family, read by Annie Mars. Biddy, read by Ashley Jane. Footman, read by Andrew Gantz. Stage Directions by Ali Wonski Scene A shabby but pretentious sitting-room in Colonel O'Fipp's house. Breakfast laid. Enter Tom Cobb with open letter in his hand. I haven't a penny. I haven't the ghost of a prospect of a penny. In debt everywhere. And now I'm told that judgment's been signed against me? for two hundred and fifty pounds by the cruelest Jew in Christendom. Upon my soul, it's enough to make a fellow shy things about. I swear it is. But everything always did go wrong with me, even before I was born. For I was always expected to be a girl, and turned out something quite different. And no fault of mine, I'm sure. Producing Pistol Oh, if I was only quite, quite sure I knew how to load it, I'd blow my brains out this minute. I would, upon my word and honour. Enter Matilda. Eh, and what good would that do, dear? It would rid the world of an unhappy wretch. The world's a beast, and I hate it. Then if you hate it, what do you want to be doing it a good turn for? Sure, it would be a bad bargain, lovey. For you'd lose the world, whereas the world it'll only lose you. Takes Pistol away from him. There's truth in that. If I was you, dear, I'd go on living to spite it. Oh, ain't that small. Oh, ain't that like a woman. And after all, you're not so badly off. Don't you board and lodge on nominal torrents with a rare cornel? Yes, that's true enough. And ain't ye engaged to a rare colonel's daughter? And isn't that something to live for? Goes to table and cuts bread and butter. Tom seated. Oh, I've plenty to live for. But I've nothing to live on. Upon my word, Matilda, when you come to think of it, it is a most extraordinary thing that I can't get any patience. I'm a qualified practitioner, right enough. I've passed the College of Surgeons. So have I, dear. Often. You can't be more a surgeon than I am. Put it how you will. But nobody seems to know it. 
and I'm sure I don't know how to tell them. I can't send sandwichmen about with advertisements. The college wouldn't like that. I can't hang placards about from a real colonel's balcony. Walk up, walk up. This is the shop for amputations. Or to married couples and others. The horse guards wouldn't like that. Taking up carving knife. Upon my word, Matilda, when I look at you and reflect that there isn't an operation in the whole range of practical surgery that I shouldn't be delighted to perform upon you at five minutes' notice for nothing. Why, it does seem a most extraordinary thing that I can't get any patience. Enter Colonel Ophip in seedy, showy dressing gown. Good morning, Thomas. Matilda Mayon. The morning to you. Kisses her. Breakfast ready? That's well. Uh, good appetite, Thomas. They sit to breakfast. Tremendous. Taking an egg. Ophip aside. Then I'll spile it for you. Aloud. Don't crack that egg till you're sure you'll want it. Takes it from him. Thomas Cobb, I'm going to have a word or two with you about your prospects, sir. Oh, Lord. Turns away from his breakfast. When I gave my consent to your engagement with me beautiful and beloved daughter, don't cry, my child. No, Pa. Takes an egg. You told me you were about to purchase a practice, and, like a simple old soldier, I believed you. Sure, and so he was. Didn't he introduce him to Ben Isaacs? And didn't he lend him the money to do it? Which your papa immediately exchanged for bills. Which is another term for money. Another term for money? Papa has always been accustomed to regard his IOUs as currency. Why, who do you suppose would sell me a practice for a bundle of your IOUs? My name, sir, is considered in the city to be as good for a thousand pound as for a hundred. Papa's is one of the oldest names in the kingdom. Yes, sir. And let me tell you, it's on some of the oldest bills in the kingdom, too. Such is the value of my name that I suppose I have renewed oftener than any man alive. And it isn't every man that can say that. But when I try to discount your paper, capitalists always say, Who's Ophip? And when I tell him he's a colonel, they say, What's he a colonel of? Colonel of a regiment, to be sure. Yes, but in what service? Never mind the servicer. It was the 27th regiment of it. That's enough for any man. There's many a service besides the British service, I believe, sir. Oh, I believe there's a good many. There's the Spanish service, sir, and the Hungarian service, and the Italian service, and the French service, and the... And the dinner service. And the church service. No, sir. When a gentleman asks me my regiment, he has a right to know it. And I tell him at once. But when he asks me in what service, sir, 
Why, that's a piece of impertinent curiosity. And I ask him, what the devil he means by it? Oh, I'm sure I don't care. The regiment's quite enough for me. But then, I ain't a capitalist. Well, sir, let us come to the point. For two months you've been engaged to my lovely and accomplished daughter. To Matilda. Don't cry, me love. No, Pa. Takes an egg. And you're as far from marrying her as ever. Now, during the last two months, my poor child's been wasting the best years of her life, and she can't wait much longer. Can you, Matilda? Indeed, and I can't then. I'm twenty-nine and a bit. She's twenty-nine and a bit. Now, it's right to tell you, and you too, Matilda, that a gentleman of good birth, irreproachable morals, and a considerable command of ready money, has done me the honour to propose for me daughter's hand. I say no more, sir. As a man of honour, there's two courses open to you, and I leave you to decide which of them you'll take. Exit of bed. Matilda, did you hear that? Yes, Tom, I heard that. Who is the scoundrel who has dared to aspire to your hand? Deed, and I don't know, but it'll be someone who's lending money to Papa. I generally go with the bills. What? When a body falls in love with me, Papa generally borrows money of him, and he gives bills, and I go with them. It's a rule of the family. Rises. But surely you'll never countenance such a bargain. Deed, and I don't want to, Tom dear, but I've countenanced it for thirteen years now, and sure it'll look odd to refuse now. Besides, dear, I'm not as young as I was. No, but then you're not as old as you might be. No, but I'm as old as I mean to be. There's reason for ye, Tom, and you want it. Well, I'm sure I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. Then it's the beginning end, and there's hope for ye yet. Knock. Who's that? There now, if it ain't your friend Whipple's carriage. Whipple! Whipple with a carriage. A fool, an impostor, a quack with a carriage. What does he want to come flaunting his one-horse fly in my face for? There. I actually did that man's botany papers for him at college, and now he's been rolling in fever patients. Literally rolling in fever patients, while I haven't one to my back. Well, maybe he'll help you if you ask him. He's a pleasant man. Pleasant, is he? I don't know what you call pleasant. Why, there's a squalid old pauper idiot, a patient of his, who's got no name of his own. And Whipple christened him Tom Cobb because he says he's the ugliest old lunatic he's ever saw and reminds him of me. And all the boys in the neighborhood have taken it up, and he's been known as Tom Cobb for these last two years. That's pleasant of Whipple. Sure, it's his joke. Yes, I know it's his joke, but I don't like his joke. One Tom Cobb's enough at a time, and... Taking out pistol. If I was only quite, 
quite sure I knew how to load it. I'd snuff one of them out this minute. I would. Upon my word and honor, I would. Exit Cobb. Poor Tom. He's an innocent boy, and he's fond of me. And I like him too. It's a pity he ain't rich. And now, who's the gentleman with the command of ready money who's proposed for me? I'd like to know. Enter Biddy. Mr. Whipple. Exit Biddy. Enter Whipple. Miss Matilda, don't think me premature for calling, but I came because I really couldn't wait any longer. And ye did right. Sit ye down. I couldn't help it. You're not angry? Sits. Not I. If ye couldn't help it, what were ye to do? Sits. I declare I haven't slept a wink all night from anxiety. Would you like to take a snooze on the sofa? A snooze? Miss Matilda, hasn't your father told you? Told me? Told me what? Why, that I... You never mean to sit there and tell me you're the young gentleman of high family on embellished morals and considerable command of ready money. That's me. He has told you. Yes, Miss Matilda, I have dared. But don't you know I'm engaged to your friend, Tom Cobb? Tom Cobb? Yes, I know you are. A mule, a clod, an unsuccessful clod. Yes, I know he's tied to you as a log is tied to the leg of a runaway donkey. I beg your pardon. I didn't mean that. But you can't really love him. Deed. And I like him very well, then. He's a good boy. But tell me now, is it Bill's? Well, yes. Since you put it like that, it is Bill's. Then I tell ye what, Mr. Whipple, I'm tired of being handed over with stamped paper. There was no stamp on it. Indeed, there was no stamp on it. It was an I owe you. It's the same thing. I like Tom Cobb better than I like you, and if you'll marry me in a month, I'll have him. And if he won't, why, I'll talk to you. There's your answer now, and don't bother again. In a month? Aside. In a month? He shan't marry her in a month. If I can only manage to get him out of the way and keep him there for a few weeks. I'll do it. It'll cost money, but I'll do it. Enter Tom Cobb. Ah, Tom, my boy, I'm delighted to see you. How uncommonly jolly you're looking, to be sure. Yes, I should say I was looking uncommonly jolly. Why, what's the matter? Why, a good many things. And look here, Whipple. I wish next time you want a godfather for a nameless papa... You choose somebody else. Oh, you mean ugly old Tom Cobb. I beg your pardon, but he was so like you I couldn't help it. But there, that needn't distress you, for he died last night, and there's an end of him. Never mind, old boy. I'll make it up to you some day. Will you? Wibble, I'm in an awful fix about Ben Isaac's bill. Now you're well off. I did your botany paper for you at college. Will you lend me £250 upon my personal security? I want a plain answer. Yes or no? My dear boy, of course, with pleasure. 
My dear Whipple! You shall have it, of course. Feeling for his handkerchief. When? Why, now, if you like. What? The money? No, the plain answer. Takes out handkerchief, uses it, and returns it. I haven't a penny at my banker's. I've lent it all to the colonel. What have you done with the money? Well, I lent it all to the colonel. He borrowed it the very day he agreed to my engagement with Matilda. Didn't he, dear? Matilda clearing away breakfast things. Just that very same day, dear, directly after I told him you were going to propose for me, and immediately before you did it. Good soldier, the colonel. Oh, he didn't borrow it because he wanted it. He borrowed it to prevent my wasting it in foolishness. He said so. But I should like to have a go in at some foolishness now and then. If it was only a pair of trousers or half a dozen socks. Yes, you want socks. Exit Matilda with breakfast things. But what's the use of socks to a man who's going to blow his brains out? Whipple, I do assure you on my honor, if I knew a safe and perfectly painless way of popping out of this world into comfortable quarters in the next, I'd adopt it. Upon my word and honor, I'd adopt it. Do you mean that? Yes, I mean that. Then I'll help you. Now, observe, my old pauper patient, Tom Cobb, died last night. He hasn't a friend or relation in the world to claim him. Well, I certify to his death, and he's comfortably buried, and there's an end of old Tom Cobb. The ugly one? The ugly one, of course. I don't see what you're driving at. Don't you? Why, if Tom Cobb's dead and buried... What becomes of the bill Tom Cobb gave Ben Isaacs? But the ugly Tom Cobb never gave a bill. A light breaks upon him. Oh, you cunning devil. Now then, what do you say to dying by deputy? By Jove, it's worth thinking of. Worth thinking of? It's worth jumping at without stopping to think at all. I believe you're right. After a pause. I'll do it. I'm a dead man. I can come to life again, I suppose, when I like. Oh, yes, under another name. But you'll have to hide away for a few months. Oh, ah. Turning out his pockets. But how about burial fees? Will five and twenty pounds do it? Five and twenty pounds will just do it. Then come along at once to my house and take leave of this life. But you'll let me take a last farewell of Matilda. No, no, bother Matilda. Taking his arm. Oh, but you mustn't bother Matilda. Now, now, do come along. <laughs> Hang it all. Let me see her before the tomb closes over me for three months. No, you can write to her. Now come at once, or I won't help you. Then farewell, Matilda. I go to my doom. Whipple, during my decease, 
I confide her to you. Be a mother to her. Kissing photograph. Farewell, unhappy Matilda. Be true to my memory, for I am as good as dead, and you are engaged to a body. He staggers out wildly, followed by Whipple. Enter Matilda. Now, where's he gone with Whipple, I'd like to know. That Whipple's up to some bedevilment with him. I'll go bail. Enter Biddy. Please, miss, here's a young lady as says she must see you and won't take no denial. A young lady? Enter Caroline in great agitation. She is a romantic-looking young lady with long curls and gushing, poetical demeanor. She pauses melodramatically. Matilda? Do you know me? Deed, no, I don't. Why, if it isn't my old schoolfellow, Carrie Effingham. It's Carrie as I'm a living sinner. Yes, I came into town yesterday, and though ten long, weary years have flown since last we met, I could not pass my dear old friend's abode without one effort to awake those slumbering chords that struck in unison ever found ready echoes in our sister's hearts. Why, ye talk nonsense as well as ever, dear, but I'm glad to see ye. She sits. Caroline kneels at her feet. How well, how very well you are looking. And heavens, how lovely. Yes, dear, you're looking older. You're not married yet, I suppose. Alas, no. Wiping her eyes. Don't fret, dear. It'll come. Oh, Matilda, a maiden's heart should be as free as the summer sun itself. And it's sad when, in youth's heyday, its trilling gladness has been trodden underfoot by the iron-shod heel of a serpent. Yes, and it's sad when it's happened. Tell me all about it. Swear that. Come what may, no torture shall ever induce you to reveal the secret I am going to confide in you. Oh, I'll swear that with pleasure. Will you believe me when I tell you that I have loved? Oh, yes. And that I have been loved in return? Well, yes. Oh, yes, it's possible. Who was a poet-soldier, fighting the Paynim foe in India's burning clime, a glorious songster who swept the lute with one hand while he sabred the foe with the other. Was he in the band? The band? He was a major general. Rises. Oh, handsome. I know not. I never saw him. You never saw him? I never saw his face, but I have seen his soul. What's his soul like? Like, like the frenzied passion of the antelope, like the wild fire of the tiger lily, like the pale earnestness of some love-sick thundercloud that longs to grasp the fleeting lightning in its outstretched arms. Was he often like that? Always. A pleasant man in furnished lodgings. And where did he see his soul? Caroline sits. He poured it into the columns of the Weybridge Watchman, the local paper of the town that gave him birth. Dainty little poems, 
the dew of his sweet soul, the tender frothings of his soldier brain. In them I read him, in them I loved him. I wrote to him for his autograph. He sent it. I sent him my photograph, and directly he saw it. He proposed in terms that cloyed me with sweet surfeit of their choice exuberance, imploring me at the same time to reply by telegraph. Then maiden-like I longed to toy and dally with his love, but Anglo-Indian telegraphic rates are high, so much against my maiden will. I answered in one word, that one word, yes. And you've engaged yourself to a man whose face you've never seen? I've seen his soul. And when do you think you'll see his body? Alas, never. For pity me, he is faithless. We corresponded for a year, and then his letters ceased. And now, for eighteen months, no crumb nor crust of comfort has appeased my parched and thirsting soul. Fortunately, my solicitor has all his letters. Oh, I see. And when does the action come off? I know not. We have advertised for him right and left. Twenty men of law are on his track, and my brother Bullstrode, an attorney's clerk, carries a writ about him night and day. Thus my heartstrings are laid bare that every dolt may jibe at them. The whole country rings with my mishap. Its gloomy details are on every bumpkin's tongue. This, this is my secret. Swear that you will never reveal it. Oh, but you'll get thumping damages when you do find him. It may be so. The huckstering men of law appraise my heart wreck at five thousand pounds. Well, and I wish ye may get it, dear. Thank you. Oh, thank you for that wish. You're not going? No, I have come to spend a long, long day. I'm going to take my bonnet off. Dear Matilda... We have not met for many, many years, and I long, I cannot tell you, Matilda, how earnestly I long to see all your new things. Exeunt together, as Ophip enters. There's an ungrateful daughter to refuse Whipple, and me pinched for money till I can hardly raise an egg for breakfast. But she shan't have Tom Cobb anyhow. I'll see to that. A pretty kettle of fish I'm boiling for myself. When I've sent Tom Cobb about his business, what'll the ungrateful villain do? Why, he'll sue on them bills of mine, as if I'd never been the next thing to a father-in-law to him. But that's the way with mean and thankless natures. Do woman injustice, and they're never satisfied till they've retaliated. Enter Matilda with letter, pretending to cry. Papa dear, I've bad news for you. Bad news? At whose suit? It ain't that, dear. It's my Tom. And what's the scamp been doing now? The scamp's been dying. Dying? What do you mean? I mean Tom's dead. Ophip looking at her sternly. Matilda, are you in earnest? Or have you been at the order cologne? Oh, I'm in earnest. Tom's dead. Who's killed him? Faith, and he killed himself. He'd written to say so. Here's his letter. 
He encloses you two bills and appoints you his executor. You pain and surprise me more than I can tell you. Poor Tom. He was a kind and generous lad, and I'd hoped to have met these bills under happier circumstances. Well, his executor deals with them now. Uh, that's me. And the question is whether, in the interest of Tom's estate, it would be worthwhile to proceed against the acceptor. Uh, that's me again. And, uh, on the whole, I don't recommend it. Tears them up. Now, tell me all about it. Don't cry, my child. No, Pa. Well, it's like this. Ben Isaacs was over pressing and poor Tom was bothered and thought he'd make an end of himself and just then he heard that the old man that Whipple called, Tom Cobb from the likeness, just had died. So Tom thought he'd make one death do for the two. Sure he's been economically brought up. What? Am I to understand that Thomas Cobb has been trifling with the most sacred feelings of an old soldier's grey-headed old heart? Well, he's shaming dead if ye mean that, and he hopes you'll go to the funeral. Ophip rises. Shamming dead, is he? Shamming dead? Let me come across him, and by the blood of the Ophips, I'll make him sham dead in real earnest. But, Papa dear, the boy's hard-pressed. Don't interrupt an honest burst of feeling in an old military officer. For months, I've looked forward like a simple old soldier to meeting those bills, and now I've destroyed them and deprived myself of a pleasure which might have lasted me the next twenty years. But I'll expose him. It's a crime of some sort, pretending to be dead when you're not. It's obtaining burial under false pretenses, if it's nothing else. What's that? Matilda with paper in her hand. It's his will! <laughs> Ophip indignantly. His will? Yes, would ye have a gentleman die without a will? A gentleman? A beggarly scoundrel. Opens it. <laughs> he leaves you everything, Matilda. It's duly signed and witnessed. All quite in form. By my soul, I congratulate you on your accession to fortune and prosperity. It's just done to give colour to his death. Don't be hasty, dear. It's the first time I've been mentioned in a will, and maybe it'll be the last. <laughs> mentioned in a will? It's an outrage, a sacrilege, I tell you. An insult to a simple old officer and his deluded goodle. To mention them in a swindling document that's not worth the ink it's written with. This is how I treat it, Matilda. Crumbling it up. This is how I treat it. Throws it in the fire. And if that thief Tom Cobb was here, I'd crumple him too and send him after it. Enter Whipple, breathless and much excited. Oh, Colonel. Well, sir? Here's news. My old man, the ugly old man who always went by the name of Tom Cobb. Well, sir? 
he died last night poor ugly old tom cobb died last night we all know about it we knew it half an hour ago yes matilda but you don't know this i went to his cottage this morning and on the bed i found a hasty scrawled note written by the old man just before he died colonel becomes interested it contained these words look under the fireplace i got a crowbar raised the hearth and under it i found gold gold silver and banknotes in profusion no end of gold you could roll in it you could roll in it and he hasn't a friend or relation in the world colonel ophip during the last few lines has hurriedly snatched the will out of the fire and smoothed it out unobserved he produces it with a dignified air what's that this sir is the poor old gentleman's will in which he leaves everything to my beloved daughter but that's not old tom cobb's will that's the will young tom cobb made in fun just now sir old tom cobb's dead and here's a will signed tom cobb put that and that together and what do you make of it whipple falls into a chair amazed End of Act One